Welcome to week six of Living Lent. Lent is a time when we're invited into the story of Jesus to live it, breathe it, and allow it to shape us. Let's take a moment now to invite the Holy Spirit of God to come and settle our hearts and our minds in his gentle presence. Our walk alongside Jesus is coming to its inevitable culmination. Having followed him on the path that started at his baptism, with God the Father speaking words of love and affirmation over him, we now find ourselves here at the point of Jesus' death and resurrection. We are confronted with the cross. Along the way, we have met his first followers, fishermen, tax collectors, women, and nobodies. And as the theologian Jane Williams puts it, in an agony of frustration, we have seen Jesus provoking and alienating the powerful who might help him and spending all his efforts of love and power on the useless. Indeed, over these past Lenten weeks together, we have been trying to grapple with the outrageous and sometimes shocking, merciful humility of God, as seen in the person of Jesus. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, please help me to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Reveal to me the impulses of my heart that would present Jesus as anything other than who he really is, beautifully and scandalously humble and merciful. Forgive me for believing that Jesus is anything other than this. Please open my eyes to see him more truly and my ears to hear him more clearly. Amen. The head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. The Savior now to wash our feet. Now at His feet we bow. The one who bore our sin and shame. Now robed in majesty. The radiance of perfect love Now shines for all to see Your name, your name is victory All praise will rise to Christ our King Your name, your name is victory All praise will rise to Christ our King 
Jesus is the presence and action of God in the world. He is the clue to who God is and how he acts. He is the clue to God's character and meaning. Yet we, like those who met him on the dusty roads, can't quite believe that Jesus got it right. Surely what we long for from God, what we want to see of God's character, looks very little like what we see in the way that Jesus lived and died. Even when we get to this point in the story, to Jesus' exhilarating resurrection from the dead, where we see God behaving more like what we expect, God's humility surprises us. The risen Jesus doesn't come to his enemies gleaming and radiant with light and force them to admit they were wrong. No, the humble, risen Jesus comes primarily to those who had been his friends and his followers before he died, and he comes with the marks of his suffering body still visible in the scars of the nails. Jesus' resurrection undoes nothing of what he has been up to his death. Instead, the resurrection confirms the life of Jesus as the way of God in the world. The resurrection confirms the life of Jesus as the way of God in the world. This is good news. By way of response, let's take a moment and think about these questions. I wonder how it feels as a fellow disciple to be charged with telling the story of Jesus to others. Is it a story you want to tell? In what way does it feel like good news? In the Bible, we read about Jesus, risen from the dead, and encountering different people face to face. Perhaps the most moving account of all 
is Jesus' meeting with Peter. A reading from John chapter 21, verses 7 to 17. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, one hundred and fifty-three. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. In the story we have heard, Peter realises that he is about to meet Jesus back from the dead. We can see that Peter has returned to his old ways. He was a fisherman when Jesus called him, and the dream that he had started to imagine for himself is not going to happen. So he's back in a familiar, homely setting, fishing on the lake. As the story unfolds, so much of Peter's humanity is revealed to us. His courage, fear, shame, hope. In his beautiful interaction with Jesus, Peter is given the chance to remake the story of desertion. Remember that Peter denied Jesus three times. And now, three times, he is given the opportunity to affirm his love for Jesus. As Jane Williams writes, Peter's courage and strength are to take a new form and to be put to the service of the vulnerable, the needy, the dependent, the stupid. Peter can now walk in the merciful humility that Jesus has shown to him and that he can show to others. A few questions to consider. Try to imagine what Peter might be feeling in this encounter. 
Are there relationships that you wish you could restore that seem lost forever? Do you believe that you and others can truly change? Henry Nouwen, priest, academic and writer, left his role as a professor at Harvard Divinity School and joined a community in France where he lived and shared his life with people with learning disabilities, people judged as worthless and expendable. Henry subsequently wrote extensively about what it is to be human. He discovered that it is not just the people with disabilities who discover the dignity of being treated as human. It is also the so-called able who discover that there is an intrinsic worth to humanity that is nothing to do with achievement. Jesus does the same. He chooses to hear and be part of the stories of those who are excluded and marginalized. And he declares by word and deed that their lives, their stories matter. The humble God makes the world bigger because God's humility notices and includes all the invisible people at the margins. We'll use Henry Nouwen's own words by way of closing in prayer. Dear Lord, our emptiness provides a very large and sacred space where we can welcome all the people of the world. There is a powerful connection between our emptiness and our ability to welcome. When we give up what sets us apart from others, then we have room within to welcome friends as well as enemies. Amen.